everybody, welcome to the 14th ever episode of the Mike O'Reilly Show, news and reporting and getting the facts. Today's episode is sponsored by one of my favorite new money apps out there called CrowdCredit, because blockchain is revolutionizing the world, unlocking credit we never knew we even had. So let me ask you this, and it's a personal question. Are you frustrated not being able to pay your bills? Do you want that second or third car, but you just don't have the money? You want to hit the helps? You want to go on vacation? But you just don't have the numbers in your statement. Well, you don't need money when you have a crowd. Introducing CrowdCredit. Leverage other people's money to pay for your bills. CrowdCredit uses machine learning, artificial intelligence, and other people's money, aggregating millions of pennies that no one notices are gone. Go to crowdcredit.com forward slash Mike right now for a $50,000 credit line absolutely free. Just enter your personal info to your credit card details, upload your valid photo ID, click the happy green invest now button, and then instantly you're going to see a $50,000 line of credit right inside of your bank account. Go to crowdcredit.com forward slash Mike right now. Finally, money really does grow on trees, other people's trees. And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Welcome, everybody, to today's Mike O'Reilly show. We have a fascinating guest on the show today. He's one of my personal heroes, um, actually one of the top wealthiest families in the United States. We have today with us Bre- Preston Boatwright III, investor, innovator, and very, very wealthy entrepreneur. Um, I have been hearing about your investment strategy, your investments, and your wealth. Preston, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, you know, I, I don't do a lot of media, but uh, but I'm always, uh, when you reached out, I was really excited. You know, I haven't uh, been able to share my investment tips outside of a very closed group for a long time. And I think it's finally time that uh, your everyday Joe learns what I learned about becoming a self-made man. I, I'm, I really cannot wait for this. Um, there's a lot that our guests are really into. We have a lot of people living in trailer parks in Montana, and they're really excited to get some growth strategies from you. Let's, before we hit the growth strategies, and I know that you're going to give a step-by-step way for a lot of our listeners, uh, whether they live in Montana or Manhattan, to literally earn more revenue um, and just your whole investment strategy. Larry King apparently uses it. And essentially, let's before we get into the investment strategy, I want to hear about your origin story. Tell me about growing up. How did you build yourself up from complete scratch? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, one thing that I think is really important, and I stress this, is uh, I've always had a job. I mean, I have always, always, always had a job. Uh, before I was born, when my mother was pregnant with me, my grandfather uh, arranged for a, a VP position in our family chemical business. Uh, and so when I was born, I was bestowed this this VP position in in, uh, in Boatwright Chemical. And I didn't, act, you know, obviously when I was a young kid, I couldn't serve in that role. So we had proxies and my grandfather had these proxies who would be in my seat and my little brother's seats and uh, they would hold it for us and kind of also be our 
mentors and you know kind of help us learn about the business while we were growing up and then when we turned 15 we got to take over those positions so you know i've literally never been without a job and i think that has a lot to do with success you got to go out there every day uh, uh you know ready for the job that you know you were born into 29-year-old Christopher is making the most of the profits from his grandfather's publishing company. Today, he's taking a pricey pit stop with his best friend and fellow millionaire, Alec. So that's 60,000 in watches. Uh, Louis Vuitton sunglasses, those are about 1,200. This bracelet here is 10,000. So you have uh, 30, 60, 70, 70,000 plus 1,000, 2,000. So like about $74,000 just in this little shot right here. And then it's sitting on top of Carpaggio, which means we're in Bal Harbor, which is the most exclusive lunch place in Miami. While we pull up in the two Ferraris, which is $600,000 in Ferraris, so average lunch. Tell us a little bit about the job that you were born into. What did you do at uh, Boatwright Chemical, Preston? Um, yeah, I was, I was a VP of uh, communications. And so I would go in and go to the office and we'd have meetings and I'd write reports. Uh, and I was doing that, you know, probably about like one week a month, uh, all th through my late teens. And then, you know, I really felt like it was time to start because, you know, Boatwright Chemical uh, was the bulwark of the American Revolution. I don't know if you know this. I don't. Um, yeah. So, so the reason where where the where Boatwright Chemical came from was my uh, great 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 grandfather uh, Harrison Boatwright. He was uh, he was a loyalist uh, originally, and then he got threatened by some revolutionaries. And you know we don't really go for putting ourselves in physical harm <laughs> for our principles in our family. So you know, good old Harrison Boatwright switched sides and started working with General Washington. And they were uh, trying to find new sources for explosives and gunpowder. And so that's how Boatwright Chemical got founded. It's literally a part of the founding of uh, our nation. You know, and so uh, that's, that's one of the things that's important to know. So we were, we were involved in basically all of the chemical work going on. And that resulted in a large fortune uh, that my family controlled, and that I then controlled a portion of as well. But unlike the rest of, you know, all of the takers that I see around me, you know, in this country, I really wanted to do something with that inheritance, you know, to really, like, go from someone worth tens of millions of dollars to being someone worth scores of millions of dollars. And I, you know, I wasn't going to rest until I reached that goal. So tenacity is a big part of it too, Mike. So you were born into wealth and yet you sort of worked hard at it. What exactly is a company for all of our listeners in Montana? Yeah, a company is a place where people get together and they have meetings. And uh, basically at the end of the day, they got more money they had than what they had at the beginning of the day and that's why they call it a company so that's my understanding of it and uh that's why i found companies now to give people a place to come together to have their meetings right and then to go home at the end of the day and have more money that, than they had when they started 
And that's, I just don't understand why people don't see this. You know, like this is the thing I, people just don't see. First of all, all you got to do when you wake up in the morning, the first idea you have, you call your business manager and you say, Larry, I want to found a company. I want to found a company where you can buy soap for your shower that's also your toothpaste, right? Then you tell Larry, no, then Larry sets it up. Now, what Larry does, I don't know if you know this, but to form a company, you have to have, there's a lot of paperwork, you have to pay a lot of fees, and your business manager is going to need, there's especially like a lump sum you have to pay right at the beginning in order to make it official. It's like $14 million, I believe. Um, so, you know, you give him $14 million and he makes all the paperwork happen. And then you've got people come into this office having meetings about how to make your idea a reality. And that's the economy happening right there. You know what I mean? So like, so, so I, so I'll give you an example. Uh, my, uh, I grew up, uh, when I was growing up, I went to prep school, um, with this, uh, with this one kid and his last name's Pierce. Uh, and you know, he just, he, he inherited money and he just sits there with that money and he like doles it out to his kids and they have big family reunions and, you know, that's basically all they do with their money. And I just don't think that that's, you know, that is just the like, you know, welfare mentality that's destroying this country. And we got to have the people who have wealth here learn how to start new businesses and create new innovation so that we've got new money coming in at the end of the day. And that's the thing that everybody can be a part of. I think I get it. And that's what a company does. So I actually took notes and we're going to send this report out mm-hmm. uh, to our listeners because this is a show that breaks news and reports the facts. And what I find missing in most mm-hmm. news stations is that they don't really give facts. And no one knows how to start a company by watching the news. This show's different that way. Right. We really right. want to be useful and helpful. That's right. That's right. Um, and I get a ton of questions all over social media. This one especially from Snapchat, uh, from our older listeners. Um, so, And especially around how do I turn... Um, you know, coupons or ideas or, you know, just stuff left over from, you know, dead cousins, all kinds of stuff like that. And how do I turn that into money? So you have a really smart idea. And I took notes and you had four steps. So how do you start a company? And this is for all of our listeners across all of our social media platforms. This is what you've been asking me for the past month. Here's exactly how to start a company. Number one, and this is straight up from Preston Boatwright, the third. So this is as legitimate as it gets. Call a business manager. Tell him to start the company. Larry. Well, his name's his his name is Larry. So he's really good. So Larry and Larry would be able to help all of our listeners. Okay, we'll get that number at the end. Call business manager Larry. Tell him to start a company. Pay us some with paperwork, and economy happens. That's great. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly. It's that simple. And I hear people messing it up all the time. I hear I see people going on these financial shows, and they're telling people to save their money for retirement, which is the most laughable thing I've ever heard in my life. Saving your money for retirement, you might as well save your lunch so that you're never hungry ever again. That's crazy. You got to you gotta eat your lunch so that you're not hungry today. And then you're going to get another lunch tomorrow when your maid brings it by, because that's how it works. So tell us a little bit about you know, what a so, fortune is. What is a fortune? Mm-hmm. What? 
Well, if your fortune, it's, it's got two meanings. And this is something I'm bringing out in my new uh, ebook that I'm working on. It's, uh, it's a four-pager. And, uh, and so the thing is, there's, it, it means two things, okay? Fortune means two things. One, it means, of course, the wealth you've accumulated, right? The money that you have. But it, but it also is about your luck, your, uh, you know, your, your, your footing among the stars, if you will. Uh, and, and that's a big component of fortune. Fortune is a huge component of fortune. I was born into a life that's filled with luxury. Growing up, I used to, this used to be my playground. We had hotels all over the world. I would literally, like a little prince, going from one hotel to the boat, to the hotel, to the house. Here we have culture as well as luxury. You feel it, it's like, it smells like history. I went to boarding school, the most expensive school in the world. This is a chair that's very special because it used to belong to the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire. Oh, this feels about right. <laughs> Maybe I am the Sultan of Turkey now. <laughs> so it's something I don't think people th think about enough. Uh, what I would say is the best way to take, you mentioned earlier, you know, people have these coupons they're trying to uh, convert into money. If you've got uh, coupons for corporate bonds, all you got to do is get them to your financial advisor and he can definitely liquidate them. That's no problem at all. So if those are the kinds of coupons people are talking about, that's really the only kind of coupon I've ever heard of. Uh, and I don't know that that would be an issue. I think that's kind of one of the main functions of the financial advisor is that they can help you liquidate your corporate bonds and, and T-bills. And I think that's where the coupons come from. So, Preston, this is exciting because it's very useful. And the facts that you're reporting yeah. are beyond useful for our listeners. And that's also a quotable that I want to put on our social media and inspiring one of those inspiring quotes with like a colorful, you know, sort of an image of like a poor child, but he has dreamy eyes. Oh, fortune is a huge component made, of fortune. Fortune is a huge component of fortune. You know what? I, that actually, Michael, if you wanted to uh, start anything together, I haven't called up Larry yet today. And so maybe that could be our next, uh, my next new business that I see, next new company is a company to have inspirational quotes on social media. There's got to be money in that. Well, I, I, I see you. You really caught me by surprise there because I'm, I'm a reporter. I'm not a. I don't start companies. I'm a reporter. See, and that's part of the mentality, you know, that's really holding the country back. I think, Mike. What mentality? Here, you know what? Well, the mentality. Well, I'm uh, this, and I don't start companies. If everyone was starting companies every day, then we would have the largest economy in the world. China wouldn't have hold a candle to us. Okay. All this anxiety everybody has. It's crazy. Just get out there and start companies, people. That's the answer. You know, well, okay. So let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. I was at a, a holiday party, you know, and they can't call them Christmas parties anymore. It was a charity gathering uh, with members of various boards I'm a part of. And so what my first recommendation out of the gate, you, you're going to want to maximize the relationships you have on all the charitable board, charitable boards you sit on and all of the, all of the corporate boards that you sit on, any advisory roles you're in, because those, all of those people, they're going to be your network. 
You know, you can't ignore those people. You, you're going to want, even though you don't want to go to these holiday parties, and trust me, nobody wants to go to these hard holiday parties, you're going to want to go to these holiday parties. You're going to want to bring a really nice bottle of wine. I usually bring something that costs at least $700. I mean, that's how they know you're serious. And say lovely things about their wife. They love that. Really butter them up. Uh, and the I find that the times I have, those informal gatherings with the people that I share fiduciary responsibilities with, those are the times we get the most business done. Mm. I'm learning a lot. Tell us a little bit about your investment strategy. So again, we're taking a typical person, you know, earning $15,000, $25,000 a year. Uh, they got some savings on the side. They have some real estate projects with a side caravan. How are they going to earn more money by investment? What do you invest in? Exactly. Yeah. Well, mostly I, yeah, mostly I'm investing in my, in my own companies. So like that's, you know, I think that that's the game changer. Once you can start investing in your own ideas, then you're really going to start making tons of money. I mean, that's that you want to, you don't want to just give your money to some guy who says it's in a fund. You want to start a company. You want to see that company hold meetings. You want to see those meetings yield profit. That's what you want. Mm -hmm. Company meeting profit. Got it. And a lot of yeah. things about fortunate people who have fortunes from wealthy families dating back to the times of Washington, you know, they like to wear the polo stuff. Why is that? Yeah, well, it's all part of the game, you know, like, and this is what I, if you're not seeing this success, you're probably coming to meetings of the charitable boards that you're a part of. And you're just wearing like, you know, I don't know, like just a, a plain old Oxford, you know, French cuff thing and you're not wearing a coat and, you know, you've got pants and they're maybe they, they were pressed like on Tuesday, you know, but they weren't pressed like on the day of the meeting. They see that. And that's why you're not getting invited to these holiday parties and to these getaways, you know, so that's why you, you got to wear that polo shirt because it says I'm not too important to be here, but I am too important important to wear anything comfortable. Does that make sense? Sense is not my strong point. I report facts. So is it a fact? Then it works. Okay. We'll, we'll, oh, we'll probably fact. edit it's... that part out. I have a few more questions for you. Um, yeah. You like to hang out in Dubai with employees where most of them are of the feminine definition and there are boats and pools and sushi on a platter in that pool. How does that investment mm -hmm. strategy help your company create a fortune? Oh, well, that's Dubai Excursions. Uh, it's a subsidiary of uh, Boatwright Dubai. And uh, Dubai Excursions is, well, the reason why uh, that, company makes money is because that company loses money if that uh, i know that that's maybe a little bit hard for people to understand so i have to have certain businesses lose money in order to balance out the businesses that are making lots of money right because you want to uh maximize the amount of money you actually get to keep and use does that make sense see this is the other thing i think a lot of people are missing out on they're doing corporate mergers and they're not 
going in with a with a tax minimization mindset, right? Mike, I'm sure you're used to that. So, but what you got to do is you got to have the mindset to minimize your taxes in the first place. So, Dubai excursions is actually something that helps us balance everything. And the added perk is, you know, uh, you get to go and be with 72 beautiful women in a virtual paradise for 72 hours. That's the that's the package. And anything goes. It's great. The Saudis and uh, the uh, the Emirates uh, and that really that whole area, as long as you're with a boat ride enterprise, you basically have carte blanche. It's good times. Mm-hmm. And in terms of your workout ethic, the things that fortunate people love to do in terms of exercise is Tennis, golf, polo, and squash. Why those sports specifically mm-hmm. for people like Preston Boatwright the third? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I actually uh, I do I play a little bit of golf, but I really do it just for the glad handing. Uh, but my favorite sport is indoor skydiving. That is such a trip, man. It's a trip. Yeah. I, so what you do is you jump out in this cylindrical room that's several stories tall you're wearing uh uh what you'd wear if you were jumping out of an airplane and you jump out over this gulf this this gap in front of you and for a moment you think maybe i'm in trouble but then you're hit with this blast of upward shooting air and you float on this column of air and you can dip and dive and spin around and do flips and you can fly you know, many, many feet in the air, you really feel free. So I, uh, I have one of those built, um, basically any place I'm going to be for more than, I don't know, three days, four days. I like to have one of those centers built. So that's why they actually exist. I'm pretty sure that I'm subsidizing the entire global industry of them, just building them because I happen to be there. And then I sell it off to a local franchisee and then they run it as a business, but I can come whenever I want. Mm-hmm. I can get you a pass if you want. Mm-hmm. 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 I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, I thought about that for like literally four seconds. Um, a number of yeah. issues yeah, and seemed, questions like it... came up for me. Um, specifically the memory. In other words, as soon as you said indoor skydiving, I was fairly curious. And again, I'm just reporting the facts here. Um, but then it brought me back to this memory of a child when I was, I think, four years old. Um, and my father at the time would put me right in front of a fan going full on and he took the cover off and, uh, I mean, I thought it was, no, it was fun. It was really, it was cute. Um, so I felt the hair. I mean, there's a cover. There's, I just want to say when you're, when you're indoor skydiving, there is a cup, there's like a grate. Uh, so you can't, you can't fall through into the fan. So if that's triggering some kind of childhood trauma, I just want to say that that at, in, at least in the boat ride operations, fly away boat ride, uh, you know, you're not ever going to face a situation like that. I'm sorry you had to experience that. Well, Mike. not at all. I mean, I, I, uh, what happens to me as soon as I go into a trauma state, I actually get giddy and laughy, you know? It's one of the things that a lot of reporters face. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, sounds good. I don't know a lot of reporters uh, because, you, you know, most of them don't have very much money. Hmm. Well, and that's something that we're looking to change. Again, I think I'm going to start a company with a business manager as soon as we get off this call. Now, I have a few more questions. 
um, specifically around the whole corporate culture these days. Like, there have been reports all across all media channels saying that a lot of the bigger corporations are now stopping. Um, I think there's companies like Under Armour and bigger corporations where they used to have for decades, years, um, strip club parties, and now apparently that's against the rules. What is, how does that fit into company and investment strategy and being an entrepreneur? Yeah, well, you know, I think you got companies like that that uh, are bowing to public pressure, and that's really bad for the economy. Uh, because the truth is spending that money with those prostitutes, it props up the local economy and all the places where they're having those gatherings, those sales meetings, it motivates the guys, you know, I don't know. It doesn't seem to me that it's that big a deal. Uh, but you know, everyone's really touchy these days. I got to tell you at Boatwright, everyone signs documents that prevents them from leaking any kind of information like that without facing severe penalties. I mean, that's the other thing I got to tell you. You got to go into these business opportunities that you're looking at, Mike. You got to go in with a sense to minimize your tax burden, and you got to go in with a sense to minimize your liability at trial. Whatever is going to happen, you're going to want to be able to have it brush right off of you and land in someone else's lap. That's that's also been a key to my success as I've founded and then shuttered many businesses. Working with Mr. Mayor, he tells me if he's going to have a party or uh, friends over so that his house is pretty ready to, to welcome a visitor. Five more. Four. Three. Two. One. He likes to be organized, and sometimes I forget the coffee table. And then he texts me or calls me, I totally forget the coffee. I'm sorry, Mr. Amir, I'm so tired. He makes me work hard, but no complaints. How would you respond to this? Now, I'm reading an article from one of my colleagues in the Wall Street Journal saying... Under Armour Inc. employees received an email earlier this year that upended a long-standing company practice. Again, they said company, so I'm sure you know all about that. Colin, they could no longer charge visits to strip clubs on their corporate cards. What kind of fanatical revolution is happening here that that's happening? Yeah, I, you know, I think that the, what we're missing here is the subtext, right? Uh, something else you got to know about companies, Mike, is there are certain things that you write down and you send in an email, and then there are certain things that you go around to every manager's office and you have a quiet conversation with them and you tell them how it really is. Right? It's like there's the scripture and then there's the interpretation. So um, what I do uh, at every one of my boat rides, right enterprises is I will be sure to send an email that says exactly what I want it to say when it's quoted uh, by your colleagues at the Wall Street Journal. By the way, I didn't realize you work for the Wall Street Journal. No, colleagues. Colleagues, not fellow employees. Big difference. Oh, uh, and so, well, you know, basically you send the email that says no one can charge strip clubs on their card and then you go around to the managers and you say, listen, if they're going to go to a strip club, have them mark it down as like wing bar, you know, like a wing bar, you know, 
and then then just don't say that it's a strip club anywhere. Just can't you can't itemize strip club item yeah. item colon, colon strip, strip club. club. That's what, That's we what were they were doing, doing in their accounting, in their accounting system, system probably, which is just, which is just lunacy. lunacy. Rule number rule number four, four Michael, company. with a company. If you're gonna if you're gonna do something. Do something that you don't, that want, you don't people want people to know about. about. Don't write, don't it, write down. it down. Definitely, Definitely don't, don't itemize it. Hello. Mm. Hello. Mm. Mm-hmm. And what exactly, how would you define a lot of this whole hashtag Me Too movement has got all kinds of people who have uh, fortune up in a haystack. And how? And a lot of the issues around the word that I keep on hearing in a lot of reports, it's called inequality. What the hell is that? I, yeah, I don't know. I think it has to do with like air pressure. I'm really not a scientist. I don't get involved in stuff like that. But what I do think is that, you know, if, if you've got, you know, a hundred million dollars, you could have $130 million in like a year if you wanted, you know, or if you had like $110 million, you could make $145 million. Like, don't you want that? You know, that's the question. And all these people who are concerned with these other things, I don't know if maybe somebody thinks that they're going to sue someone who's rich and famous, that maybe they'll get money. But that's not taking $100 million and turning it into $130 million. That's taking this poor guy who has $100 million and taking $40 million of his $100 million. And that's not, that's not building wealth. You know, that's the only thing I have to say about that. I, don't, I support women. My mother was a woman. So I, I support women. I have not, but I don't think it makes economic sense. That's all I'm saying. Hmm. I'm getting some messages right now from a team. Uh, they want to know about your childhood. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. Well, uh, sure. Yeah, uh, I mentioned I went to prep school, um, and uh, it, weirdly, it was Boatwright Academy, which is just an historical quirk. It was my great 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 uncle uh, Florence Boatwright. Now, I know Florence doesn't sound like a man's name, and that was part of what made Uncle Florence a little strange. So anyway, he he wasn't a part of the chemical company. He had a passion for um, Christian scripture, uh, and he was a preacher. And so he actually founded an educational institution for wayward boys, uh, Boatwright Academy. And then eventually, you know, I mean, because everything that was around in the 1700s eventually became like a storied institution. It's now, it's now a breeding ground for the elite uh it's a boys school it's not a military school but we had to wear kind of military like uniforms you know and that's where i met a lot of my buddies and i wasn't starting companies back then but i would start crews a crew is like a gang only you don't commit crimes you know that was so we would have crews uh, and we'd get together we'd drink beer uh and uh we'd have a lot of fun and, you know, that, that was like when we we just dream, we dream about the big days, dream about, you know, when we're going to inherit our money and when we're going to start our lives and we're going to get out of this place. You know, uh, we kind of talked about it like it was jail a little bit, you know, like oh, when we get on the outside, when we get on the outside, we're going to we're going to do this. We're going to do that on the outside, you know. Uh, so, you know, basically my my best friend, my senior year was Danny Dow and Danny, Danny's family was also a chemical family. And, uh, and so me and Danny, they called us the Chemical Brothers. You remember that uh, there was an electronic music group, Chemical Brothers? And they used to call us the Chemical Brothers because our families made chemical money. 
And, uh, and so, yeah, you know, we, we, uh, when we graduated, uh, we both got into Yale. Uh, and so we both went to Yale. We were roommates all four years at Yale. Uh, uh, and, you know, eventually he, had to, he got married, uh, and he married a Vanderbilt. So he's, uh, he's still got Dow as his last name because he's a man, but, you know, he's basically a Vanderbilt now. And, uh, and that was really about the last I saw him. And that's when I married uh, um, my wife, who is uh, from the Heinz ketchup family. Melinda Heinz was her maiden name. Now she's, now she's Melinda Boatwright III. Mm-hmm. You and Bill Gates have the same wife's so, first name. Same, same Melissa. Melinda? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah well, the mel- eh, uh, mel- eh is close enough. I mean, yeah, it's, well, it's all a part of it. I mean, that's part of, you know, there's, a, there's like, like uh, they've got a chart, you know, when you're ready to get married to someone else uh, who's wealthy, they, you know, you go, you apply to the registry and they've got a chart and they match you up. So it's probably got something to do with that. You know, I've been, I was taking notes because I do that as a reporter. Um, that's how I was trained when I was going through my training. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, I mean, I'm I'm sure that my training has a lot similar similarities to your training. There's just a few differences, and I actually counted eight of them, um, based on what you oh, okay. were reporting about the Preston Academy um, and Florence. So it's the it's it's the boat ride academy. My name is Preston. My first name is Preston. The boat ride academy. Gonna have to edit yeah. that out. Yeah, for wait. So. It was originally Boatwright Academy for Wayward Boys. For Wayward. A curious word. Yeah, basically what it comes down to me, what I'm listening to, what I'm hearing are the following essentially eight categories that um, I need some clarity on. Sweaters, khakis, golf, boats, country clubs, company, Ivy League, and cocaine. That seems to qualify um, someone who's fortunate. Is that true? Uh, Yeah, you got it. Of those things, you sound pretty fortunate to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it started at the beginning of that list. Gets to give me number one: sweaters, khakis, sweaters, golf, khakis, boat, golf, country clubs, boats, country clubs, company, and cocaine. Co- company and cocaine. Ivy League, and then cocaine. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, so uh, you know, it's interesting. I actually didn't start my own company until after I was out of school. So I would put ivy league before that but cocaine way before ivy league let me tell you because at boatwright me and danny dow had our mostly we drank beer but there was definitely some time there was some cocaine involved for sure but what i what i would say is uh you know your the country clubs now i didn't mention this at all but we did spend a significant time in country clubs and around country clubs when i was growing up and uh, you know people People get the wrong idea about country clubs. They think they're these really hoity-toity places where you got to wear a jacket and everybody's rich. And the truth is there were tons of people there who were, I mean, yes, they were wealthy, but they weren't rich. Let me tell you, a lot of them were in financial trouble and they were just spending the last dollars that they had on their, on their membership. So they keep up appearances. So there's a lot of that that's going on at country clubs. Don't forget. But what I would say is country clubs, uh, khaki pants, and, you know, polo shirts, those things go together. And 
if you're in a situation like that, you probably got people who have yachts. And yachts are where you need to go to find the cocaine. Because people, people who go out on yachts, they're not doing, they're not fishing, okay? They're not, uh, they're not, they're not the salt of the earth. They're going out on a yacht to have some fun in international waters. You know what I mean? So, so those are the kinds of people who you're probably going to find the cocaine uh, with. And if you can have good times on cocaine, you can start a successful company with someone. I found that to be true. This is good to know. The people who are no, well, the people who are no fun when they're high on coke, those are definitely the people not to start a company uh -huh. with. You know. So I mean, it's just red flag, right? They can't handle their coke. They can't handle a company. That is that is definitely a truth. That's a writer done. That's a hashtag. That's a hashtag for sure. Can you just start a hashtag on your own, just like if you wanted to? I've never tried it. Well. I don't know. We usually do uh, ask our marketing teams to handle that here at any of the Boatwright Enterprises. This is the, it's, it's rule, rule number six, right? After you, you got to consider your, your, your tax minimization, you got to consider your liability when it comes to litigation, and you got to set up your marketing team. These are the people I look to for any advice when it comes to hashtags or getting the message out there or squashing anything I want squashed, reaching out to the journalists, if you don't have a team with you that can reach out to journalists, you're going to drive yourself insane because you're never going to be on top of the store. Mm, you know, and I'm sure you can, you can understand that. And then the other thing you need to do is you need to set aside yourself a healthy dose of executive time. That's what I like to call it, executive time. A few hours every day in the office when you're not expected to be in meetings and when you're not expected to be producing and you can just take a step back and get the big picture you know what I'm talking about of your company you want to get the big picture of your company not only that you want to get the big picture of your relationships that's that's a time when you can get together with other executives and have executive time with them those are times when you can uh, you know use cocaine quietly you know with them and form bonds this is an important part of executive time. Mm. I am learning so much about business from talking to you, Preston Boatwright. It's been such a pleasure. I want to finish with three uh, very specific questions. When you think of the color purple, what do you think of? Uh, royalty. Um, the launch of my third fashion line, Boatwright Fashion 3. We had purple as a big theme. Hmm. Your best round of golf ever, who did you play with? Uh, well, that was probably, yeah, the night before graduation, me and Danny Dow, uh, we went down to the club, and we had these two little chicas with us from uh, you know the local area around Yale. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we shot around a golf completely in the dark, I got, I got nine holes in one. Okay, uh, and uh, I don't, I don't even remember. We dropped acid. I mean, it was wild, man. It was crazy. That was the best. Danny Dow. Oh, God, too bad he's a Vanderbilt now. You truly are fortunate. Final question is this: This is the final question for Preston Boatwright, the third from Boatwright Chemical, and here. It is how much damage has the hashtag #MeToo movement done to boat to boat right chemical and to your whole culture? 
Uh, well, it's it, it's definitely slowed things down a little bit and made people also very paranoid. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, waivers people are making you sign, which, of course, we at Boatwright, we've always been locked up tight with that kind of stuff. So that's nothing new. Uh, but I would say that uh, it's a morale hit. You know, I got all these friends and they getting lit up on social media. I'm telling you, none of us are even using Twitter anymore. And we all have to rely basically on prostitutes who you can pay to keep their mouth shut. I mean, it's it, it's a little bleak on the social side. But my biggest point against it, and ladies, it's not you. I really, really support women. But this doesn't make economic sense. It doesn't make economic sense for you. It doesn't make economic sense for Boatwright. What would be the movement that you would want to start if you could do the opposite of Me Too? Like, would there be? I tell a you YouTube? what, I'd still call it. I'd still call it Me Too, Mike. I'd still call it Me Too. It's just Me Too. Start a company. I want to start a company. Me Too. I'm going to start a company, right? Because everyone needs to be starting companies, and that would fight. If they want to fight sexual violence, start a company. Start a company. Start a company where they don't have sexual violence. You know, I mean, that's how. That's how. Cap- capitalism works. And I really just don't think it's good business. I would still call it the Me Too movement, but I would encourage them. Me Too, starting my business too. You know, what's your Me Too story? Oh, I started, I started a hot dog shop. You know, now everybody's got hot dogs in my neighborhood. Nobody's ever hungry because I saved the world with my business. Mm-hmm. Why don't they do that? Mm-hmm. You know, Preston. But I women. Yeah, I, I, I understand that you do support women, especially as part of being an entrepreneur. Preston Boatwright III, it has been an honor and a pleasure for you to be on the Mike O'Reilly Show. Thanks again. And looking forward to, uh, you know, making some economy happen. The pleasure's all mine, Mike. Good luck in the future. Remember, uh, you know, if you, can't, uh, if you can't turn $100 million into $110 million, you're just not trying. That's going to be a quotable. I love that. That's inspiring as hell. Hashtag Preston. Talk to you later, Preston. Okay, thanks, Mike. Bye. All right, Jake, let's go. Fact checkers of the world unite. Thank you for listening to today's report. It means the world to me and my struggling team. I mean, damn, I mean, we're trying, okay? And your help is what makes this possible. Look, if you believe in reporting as much as I believe in fact-checking, go ahead and five-star this juice on iTunes and Stitcher and anywhere on the internet you can possibly five-star anything. Spread the truth and share this episode with your parents or legal guardians right now. (laughs) 